Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show. We have a really cool guest with us today. We have Julie Rupert. She is the commissioner of the Northeast 10 Conference. And, um, I, you know, I'm just one of those moments where I'm just going to be like, hi, Julie. Hi, Julie. <laughs> so cool you're here. Hi. <laughs> well, I'm honored oh. to be here. Oh, thank you so much. This was uh, this is really meaningful and a really big moment. My heart's beating a little bit faster because <laughs> you're here. And um, how cool is that? I have goosebumps saying this. You're the first female commissioner in the division. Wow. I just want to go right there and ask you right off the bat, like, what was that moment like? When you found out you, you received this position or earned this position, however you phrase that in sports, what? Yep. What what did they do? How did they tell you that? And what was your response? I just want to go there. Is that okay? Of That's course. So cool. And and thank you so much for for this opportunity. You know, I think if if you know this, being a being a woman in an industry that is not um, where you see the the people women in those types of positions of leadership, when you get there, you you look around and you're like, wow. But I think the climb and what you do and the hours that you put into it to get there and the people you know you impacted and influenced and impressed. Uh, I think for me that moment was, uh, you know, I know I can do this job, so they made the right choice if that's – and I don't mean that to sound overly confident. No. But, it, it, but, it, but it was like I, I earned this opportunity and I know that I can do a really good job on behalf of, you know, this um, fantastic collection of institutions, and I was ready for it. So – First, you know, I was the only for a little while, and now I'm I'm proud to say there's four of us of of 23 conferences in Division Two, and 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 more even uh, growing in the ranks in in Division One and Division Three. So it's a it's a close knit uh, community. We we uh, take care of each other, we support each other, we lift each other, and I think that across all professions, you need to do that. Yeah. My my mom always said, you can do anything you put your heart and mind to. Follow your passion. Yeah, it's so true. And and you don't know where that path is going to take you. And, you know, I think growing up, I would never have thought that that's, you know, that this is a path. But but in the end, it was, you know, my kids are, uh, you know, my, my kids think that I, you know, go to meetings and go to games. You know, it's like it's, <laughs> it is who I am, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> impressive to uh, the people that you work with, I suppose. Everybody else is grounded. <laughs> Universal truth. You get a famous yeah. actor on, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, my ki- I'm I'm Will Ferrell, and my kids, yeah, whatever." <laughs> you know, I get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's hysterical. They're just used to you. But let's talk about those kids for a minute, because not only you know do you have this amazing role at work, but you're a mom of twins. And I just had a mom. I connected you kind of on Twitter. I just had another mom, Fran. Petrie, she is the mom of three sets of twins. Can you imagine that? 
No, God bless her. <laughs> I've got four I, uh, boys over I, here, and I'm like, oh, yes, oh, same to yeah. you. I, you know, I I look at uh, having twins. I mean, I I had an incredibly supportive work environment uh, when when they were born in 2004. Uh, and I look now, they're 15, they're heading into their sophomore year of high school, and I think, boy, the tunnel, you know, they're, they're almost there in terms of independence and, you know, close to driving, which is a whole other story. But, uh, you know, and I think, you know, the, the lessons, um, my husband works in intercollegiate athletics as well, and I, I feel like we've always tried to uh, give them, you know, uh, provide them an environment where they saw the importance of, you know, education and sports and teamwork and, and all the things that we say we do on a daily basis in our work lives, you know, they get to see a little combination from the other side. And having a boy and a girl, uh, I, I think, has been, you know, so great because you get, you, you get to see, both. you know, both, um, both genders, how they're socialized, and how the importance of just doing what we do. No matter what job it is, just importance of showing, you know, our kids that uh, what we all do matters. And, you know, they they have grown up around athletics, uh, you know, more so with the Bryant University campus and what a great, you know, family environment that is for and has been for us for over 22 years now but you know they grew up thinking that the long jump pit was their sandbox for goodness sake so you know it's like things like that that are you know that are important and so it's it's been great yeah the um okay so I'm gonna ask you a few more questions just about you because Mm -hmm. I just I think this is super cool um Middlebury College that is one of the best schools uh you know Oh my gosh, you're a graduate of Middlebury College. Um, that's a high SAT score there, Julie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just teasing. I, but no, that's uh, a I, cool. That's a great school. Yeah. I, I loved it. I grew up in Middlebury, so I'm a small town, Vermont, uh-huh. uh, you know, and I had exposure to the college and the community, you know, obviously yeah. very early on. And, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of the reason I am who I am, and, and I, I am – thankful every day for I think the small town environment of of growing up where I grew up and then attending a school like Middlebury which you know one of my big mantras here is is what higher education provides you know the opportunities that it provides the doors that it opens the paths that it paves and for me Middlebury was one of those paths and and provided me with that foundation and I'll be forever grateful. So one of the things that I really love about you is that you have experience, whether attending or, you know, being in a role, um, a leadership role, you have experience with all divisions. Yes. Because Middlebury's D3, then you did D1 um, with the America East Conference, and now this is D2. And I have this little saying, like, like, D2, the porridge is just right. (laughs) I always say that in my head. Um, can you do us um, a kind favor? And um, I've had coaches do this before, but I would love to have your your take on this. But can you explain the differences between the divisions? Um, and, um, you know, just, just go into a little bit of detail. And, and that is also for the benefit of younger viewers that we have, because often when we have people like you on uh, the show, we have people um, who are looking at this from athletics. Uh, a career of their own, uh, a female sure. that wants to follow in your footsteps, so many different angles on that, but um, be quiet. 
so so I think I I've been the you know I've been incredibly fortunate to have that exposure. You, you know what I tell people is find find the right fit. Don't don't worry about you know that somehow uh, two is a different number than one or three. Uh, find the right fit for for you for your major for your for the environment for the culture at the school. Uh, from from an athletic standpoint. The, the the quick and easy is of course that division one uh tends to be uh higher resourced uh in in many instances around athletic scholarships and uh division three of course offers no athletically related um aid if you're going to a division three institution uh you're going because you're um, your background academically, your profile, and your athletic, uh, your your desire to participate in in athletics as an extracurricular or co-curricular activity um, is, is such that it, you know that's that's a good fit for you. Uh, so financial aid and and obviously grants and loans would help you um, fulfill the the cost of that education. I couldn't agree with you more. I love the way you just said it in terms of the porridge is just right. I think Division Two is a perfect blend of that of those two models. I think it is athletics. I like to tell people it's athletics uh, in all the right proportions. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. so it doesn't mean that it's you know that they're spending somehow less, or you're not getting that high-level competitive opportunity because in Division Two, oh. I think that uh, I would put our programs up against many Division One programs in terms of the the high quality and caliber of the of the athlete that they're recruiting. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and I and I think that Division Two just sort of has it in scale uh, that that this is. You know, we like to say in Division Two, it's life in the balance. If if your institution has study abroad programs, or if you want to be a theater major or nursing major, and you know, you you may not be able to pursue those avenues in Division One because of the time commitment, uh, you can do that in Division Two. <coughs> and then, of course, from a financial standpoint, this this notion of partial scholarships where you know, there's very, very few student athletes within Division Two that are going and having a full ride. Uh, that there's a combination of athletic aid and merit money and academic money uh, that that allow you and your family to uh, find that right point for you. For you know, obviously affordability and value is so important today. And so I yeah. I think that this. You know, I just I know I've now spent a lot of time in all three, uh, and I wouldn't trade what I've learned about Division Two and who we are for anything. Yeah, so um, that's a great explanation. Thank you for that, and bless you. <laughs> it's going Thank around. You. It's no, like I, allergies I a little bit of a cold. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for being on here, even with a cold. I I have had my share of sneezing and coughing live on air as well. Everybody knows it. I apologize. I'm trying um, to drink some water so I can. So I do too. Yeah. No, it's okay. It's it's all good, and we and we love you. Um, can you talk about the Northeast Ten and uh, the conference? What schools are in it and um, what it is? Because I I had so much fun watching that branding shift over to Any Ten Embrace. I just I yeah. watched it as it happened because I'm like a branding nerd. I just love branding and marketing and everything. And I just watched it unfold. I'm like, 
oh, that's genius who's behind that. And it took a little digging. I'm like, oh, I found her <laughs> and the crew <laughs> and everybody. That I yeah. love that. Well, thank you. You know, we, we partnered with a fantastic branding firm out of New York City. And I, I think the, the, the impetus and the, the momentum behind it was that uh, to your earlier question about uh, the, the differences in, in Division Two, we wanted to find a way to convey the distinctiveness of our model. You know, we're in a region of the country that uh, is obviously progressive and innovative and and keyed into higher education and so so within that framework of of the crowded landscape of the division threes that are around us and and the the myriad division one conferences that touch have touch points into new england how did we as the only uh new england based or northeast based division two conference tell our story make ourselves distinctive enough to uh, both, you know, that that 18 year old that's trying to decide where to go to college, uh, and their parents, and and to convey uh, that nothing had to be compromised within um, their choices. And so we knew what we had, which is a collection of fine institutions that were diverse in their composition. So diverse in that. If you want to be uh, a philosophy major at a small rural school, you can. If you wanted to be uh, a business major at a very urban campus, you can. If you wanted to go to a larger school, you can or small. And so what we wanted to convey is that you can embrace whatever it is that you wanted to seek out of your college education and, and you'd find it in the NE10. And so... You know, we went down this path of of really defining who we are and what it meant uh, to be able to compete at the highest levels uh, athletically, but to proudly put out there um, the the high level of academics, which is you know tops in in the division and tops in Division two across the board, no matter the sport. And so we wanted to bow, I would say boldly and proudly you know, tell people who we were. And that was behind this, that we embraced this, the excellence, uh, you know, which our institutions were, um, you know, what what they're built on. And so this branding campaign uh, was the first step and and a very exciting and bold step for us. We, we created some, some materials that told our story that allowed our institutions and our coaches to help, tell the story so that they're, when they're in the living rooms, they're understanding that they're selling their institution, they're selling futures, you know, to, cause it's not, it's, it's about what happens after these four years. And, you know, we've really honed in on our mission, which is to, you know, we want to provide these student athletes with exceptional educational opportunities uh, and do it, while competing in high-level athletic competition and know that they're going to grow as people when they're on our campuses. And, you know, what more can we do? That, what, what better can we do uh, than to do that? Well, one and, of the things that I, I deeply appreciate that I, I find that the, the Northeast 10 Conference instills in athletes and really any, any lives that, you, that any of those athletes touch, because it's not just the athletes. It's, I mean, the athletes, you know, they, they touch, you know, the other people 
other people's lives on campus um, regularly. Yeah. And there's such a force of community minded uh, athleticism going on. Um, do you want to talk on that? Because this isn't just sports in school. There's like a, another layer um, added where the student athletes are so mindful of, of each other and, and community. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. It blows me away. Yeah. You know, I would say that, um, especially now in this culture, you know, we, we, whether you're a leader in the entertainment industry or the sports industry or higher education or business, I mean, we all need to be prepared to, to, you know, serve, uh, in, in this diverse, you know, society and, uh, being a member of a community, you know, I, I think college, uh, it provides that opportunity really, you know, sometimes for the first time, I think high schoolers are, are community members, but it's, it's, I, I think you're, you're part of a, a town or a city, but when you get to a campus, I think, you know, for, for many of these young people, it's being part of a community for the first time. And I think for student athletes, they're wearing the name of that school on their Jersey. And I think they, yeah. they, they learn very quickly what it means to represent. And then I think from within that, from that, you, you become uh, part of that whole student athlete community. And, you know, we need to be building leaders uh, who are committed to that lifelong community engagement, because if you can't be engaged with your campus community, then, then how can we expect uh, that you'll be engaged, you know, beyond the, the walls of academia once you graduate. And so I think, you know, the the student athletes, they get each other, you know, they they understand the commitment level it takes. They understand what it means to be a student and an athlete and the balance. Um, and And so... <laughs> Excuse me. I think I think that there's mutual respect there, and you know we look at these. You know, often the you know you've been to enough uh, sporting events that yeah. it's it's beyond parents and family that are that are at these games. It's it's fellow student yeah. athletes, and and those are the things that make you proud, right? That that your you know the students understand and they come out and support you, and then you support them in return. Yeah, and I've seen little kids go up to your athletes for ask for autographs or pictures yeah. or a moment yeah. or anything, and it's it's conducted at such a pro level. It, it almost feel like you have pro athletes right there. You know, their their mindsets are pro. Yeah, you know they say the the saying, and you see it, you hear presidents uh, say it all the time. You know, athletics is the front porch of our campus. And and it is the front porch, it's the living room, it's the backyard, right? It needs to be the yeah. place where you engage, that you create that spark in a in a in a young boy or girl who's on that campus and sees that, you know, these role models, uh, you know, both um young men and young women and that, you know, that they're <coughs> excuse me, pursuing you know, um, their dreams. And, you know, I, I think short of just the, what's on television these days, I think, um, you know, those kids looking up to that student athlete knows no division, you know, no boundaries of by division, you know, for them, that is a baseball student athlete and it doesn't matter 
that it's at, you know, Middlebury or the University of New Haven or the University of Maine. You know, that that's a role model. And I think that that's uh, what athletics, intercollegiate athletics can do. And I think it's great. Yeah. If I, if I won the lotto, I always say, you know, I'd put lights at every single stadium and every single sport in the Northeast 10. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, awesome. Just lights. Turf. I know. Turf lights, you know, everything. Um, it's just my, my little thing. If I'm, you know, if I ever have that much money, that's what I'm going to do. If you don't do it already. Um, if you, if you won the lottery, what would you do? <laughs> well, it's funny. I've often, I've thought about that. You know, it's, it's like, what would you do to improve the lives of others? Now, put aside that I'd probably, you know, obviously do something special for, my, you know, like, but, but I look around and I say, if only, <laughs> right? If only there was turf baseball fields at every field. If only there was, uh, you know, expanded, um, you know, health and safety uh, access. If only there was lights. To your point, I mean, I think about that just <laughs> in terms of what that, those things do. And I know that sounds sort of, you know, like wow, she, you know, she she look to do that. But but what a difference. You know, you look around at the campuses that have some of those things, and you say, you know, again, it's it's just about the money, right? It's just that's the difference right there. Is you know, somewhere sure. along the way. Because um, it's not about priorities; it's just about you know everything costs money, and um, it's it's an interesting thing. So I look around if if you're asking about what I would do, like to on the behalf of our it was just a fun question, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just great, right? You do that, you'd you'd say, boy, how could I make a difference? Full time coaches, right? Like, <laughs> how could you ensure that? when every kid went to college and played a sport that they had access to their coaches because coaches are like, are, are the biggest, um, you know, source of, of guidance and advice. And, you know, I'm all for providing, uh, you know, that access and, and opportunity to that. So those are all the things that I do on the sort of on that side. And I'm sure I'd, you know, I'd I'd love to. Uh, you know, on the on the fun side, I'd I'd buy houses and flip them. That's my that's mine and my husband's <laughs> someday dream, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think mine's shoes. I, it's still I'm just a shoe hound. Um, <laughs> I buy a lot of shoes. So am I. We have that in common. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, seven and a half. When when one of my kids has a birthday, I'm like, wouldn't it be great if you got ladies size seven and a half shoes for me? <laughs> you know, it's like oh, you gotta love those terrible. very specific hints, yeah, right? They look at me like, no, mom, Legos are good. They're, well, they're past Legos now, but um, anyway, I okay. So um, thank you for having a, a good sense of humor um, with my silly sure. questions. But um, I love your Twitter feed, um, and you know. You earned commish. I mean, I love it. <laughs> N-E-10 underscore commish. Uh, that's awesome. Yep. Um, do you like, what's your favorite method of social media? Do you like people contacting you on Twitter? Do you like Facebook? Do you, you know, do you, do you like social media? Yeah, <laughs> I do. I, I do. I use it. I, I need to, I, I say to uh, people, I use it as an information gathering source, and I need to take the time to sort to uh, put myself more out there from uh, put the pushing out of of yeah. um, the messaging. Uh, so that's on you know sort of on my own personal goals because I do think it's such a powerful tool. My kids tell me that Facebook is uh, Instagram for old people. So yep, you know, I, but I'm still. 
Yeah, and I'm still <laughs> Facebook. I'm not on Instagram, but I know that our metrics show that I should be. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's uh, Twitter for me is seems to be that connector. Uh, you know, for me, Facebook is more on the personal side, um, other than supporting you know our institutions' uh, Facebook pages. For me, the interaction and the the knowledge is is on Twitter, and I think our schools and our industry. You know, I think Twitter was the perfect platform for sports because it gave real-time information in a way that, quite honestly, was a was a real uh, game changer for uh, I, I think the 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 um, Division twos and the threes and the programs that weren't on television, right? I'm, you know, back in the day, which isn't that long ago, you used to wait till, you know, you had to sit in front of your television and watch the ticker go by to find out how somebody did. And so to have that type of immediate access has really changed the connection points for our teams and our institutions in a way that, goodness, none of us could have envisioned, right? Um, yeah. And so I look at how the platform for for you know for Twitter, you know news and sports. I mean, it's really allowed um, you to be able to convey those messages and and real time information about who you are. And I think that's great. Yeah, the use of hashtags is very important. It's it's yeah. not only super important to have your own hashtag like any ten embrace, but also to hashtag each post larger so like college sports or so you know so that people because otherwise the general public doesn't know sometimes to search for any 10 embrace so it's a smaller community right. but like with each post if you hashtag it you know espn or college sports or you know whatever it is then a larger right. a larger community can find those posts um especially if it's like post um sports specific like hashtag college football or hashtag college baseball or or whatever so it's it's really interesting um I think the the, the it, I love your use of social media. It's a, thank you, and I and you know I think that uh, you know when we came up with that you know we embrace the the right way you know and and that's not to be judgmental but we embrace sort of doing college athletics the right way you know that mm-hmm. or or. Um, in our own way, I think uh, you know we embrace everything it means to be you know successful and excellent and. You know, hashtags can really go a long way in conveying your brand and, and who you are in a very authentic way. Yeah, it's like a Google search on Twitter. But the, the nice thing about hashtags is that they've gotten universal on all the different social media formats. So whether you hashtag it on, you know, the use of hashtags on right. Facebook is the same use as Twitter right. or whatever. But um, I, I love the point you made that um, no, you know, basically old people are on Facebook. Um yeah, I got. <laughs> I love it when my kids say that. I'm like, I am not old. Fifty is not old, but yeah, yeah it is a little older. Young um, heart. Yeah, they, exactly. They're on Instagram, and then the other big one is Snapchat. Now, yeah, I don't know. You know, Julie Rupert, the commissioner of the Northeast Ten, on Snapchat with bunny ears. You know, giving the message. I'm not certain that's good. <laughs> you know, with rabbit whiskers, or you've changed your voice, or whatever. The use of Snapchat is how do you how do you even go about using Snapchat as an institution to reach all those people because that's really where they live all, all the college age kids and younger kids I are know. on Snapchat and how do you use I know. that my my kids are fifteen and and you know sometimes 
you know, you hear, oh, well, if you're not on Snapchat, you have to be. You also have uh, just to to figure out what's what's happening in your kids' lives. And I I think, <laughs> you know, uh, we've sort of taken the tactic. We we hope that we've um, done right by them and and given them the right lessons. Because I'm not on Snapchat, right? And I don't I don't need to be um, monitoring 24/7. I need to make sure that what they're doing and is is healthy and and safe. But at the same time, there's there's a level of you know how much is too much for for you know us and and as a leader in this field i think we find the platforms that help us and that we're comfortable with that doesn't mean we can afford to be sort of staid and sort of like living in just the facebook um you know and i think our staff does a fantastic job with instagram that's our largest growing community uh is uh on the social media perspective snapchat's been a little bit harder i think to get our arms mm-hmm. around what you know what that means and maybe that's <laughs> just as simple as the the um what do you call it the filters or the um you know i think yeah. we have to keep moving with the times but you know the next thing's going to be around the corner and pretty soon for the kids that are probably in the 10 to 12 year old range there's going to be something different by the time they're 15 and so you know I'd like to think that we're staying relevant and and we have people in the positions that we do that are maintaining our accounts that are staying fresh on those and and they'll take us old people along with them, I suppose. <laughs> I had two of my kids. At, we were we were just out at Wendy's. You know, they were grabbing something to eat, and and they're like, "Mom, you need to be on Snapchat." I'm like, uh, "I don't. I, I really don't. I don't even know what right. that is." And they're like, "Here, let me have your right. phone. I'll show you." And they turned me into like a troll, and it was absolutely yeah. hilarious. I mean, it's it's good for humor, but I can't figure out it's used in like communicating like you know, how your team did. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that quick picture with your tongue sticking out somehow is supposed to be exactly. meaningful to the person that receives it. Right. Like I have yeah. no idea. And I make no secret of that with my kids. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what that just conveyed, you know? And they're like, <laughs> yeah. uh, so it is what it is. It, it is yeah. funny though. Their, their frame of reference is, you know, um, my son said something the other day about, needing to you know a map and getting his you know figuring out like where we were and he's like well i'll just check snap and uh you know he looks and he sees and he's like look this is this is us and this is where this is and i was like well i suppose if the end result is the same <laughs> you're just, you know it's not the old days of pulling out the Rand mcnally atlas but hey <laughs> yeah no yeah they got snap location on you know um one more head story oh what'd you say yeah isn't it cool though it's kind of neat it's yeah. like oh snap yeah they can tell where their friends are and all this stuff i'm yeah. like all right um yeah one more kid story yeah yesterday we were we're upgrading my desktop and laptop and webcam and all this stuff and my kids are like mom have you ever seen this i'm like probably i don't know maybe not i don't know chances are yeah like it's a keyboard look at this. And they put, they put a keyboard, <laughs> they put a keyboard in front of me. And they're like, I know you use a laptop, but have you ever seen a keyboard? I'm like, um, yeah, about 25 years ago. <laughs> so everything old yeah. is new again. They, they were, the it's concept true. of a keyboard is, was novel. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I know. You yeah. know, the, the typing class, right? The, yeah. the uh, you know, the, kids type with their thumbs and they're really fast at it but you know back in the day we used to take like typing <laughs> yeah I said that I'm like this is what to learn I didn't even use yeah 
<laughs> the typewriter. Do you, I don't know. I'm I'm 50, uh, so yeah. I mean, we actually had a typing class I'm in high 50. school that was I just turned 50. on a typewriter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Though it was the typewriter, yeah. it was a piece of paper that fed through it, and if you yeah. made a mistake, you were typing over or whiteout. Yeah, the concept well, the memory of memory typewriters where you just could you oh. type along and then you'd press it and then do with the whole page. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, so, okay. So where I was going with that too, is like Roku and all of these amazing ways that you can watch the NE 10. You, yeah. From the, yeah. Click and it's on. So So cool. So, you know, we've, we've, we've used, you know, we've sort of done this strategically uh, in that we developed our new brand. We, we launched a fantastic new strategic plan last year and, uh, and then also in November of last year, launched the NE10 Now, which is our digital network. And, you know, we talk about technology and improvements, but, you know, as much as social media has meant instant access, so too has the rise of, of digital, uh, you know, streaming. And, the, you know, I'm just so impressed with the commitment that our institutions have made to support uh, the you know, the immediacy of broadcasting our, all of our contests, you know, we eventually, by the end of next year, so by the end of the 2021 academic year, we'll be the only Division II conference that has all of our team sports uh, streamed uh, live, uh, and, and so if you're the parent of a baseball student athlete or soccer or uh, football or ice hockey, you know, or lacrosse, you are able to watch your son or daughter participate in home events. And we hope that that, you know, eventually will, you know, obviously no matter where they are playing, but I I think that's important. You know, life gets busy and people want to be able to, so, you know, they can't always travel and parents are both uh, two parent working families. And, and so we want to provide that opportunity, but it's also exposure for our programs and our institutions. And so, Digital, the rise of digital has been uh, another one of those sort of um, important moments that we'll look back on and say the, the fact that the resources uh, are now available and the, the costs are such that people can, can do this in a very high-value um, high production, you know, and I'd hold up mm-hmm. several of our member institutions just doing so, so – uh, so excellent, you know. They're just—they just produce these things. They take pride in their work, um, and it's great. Yeah, their games are announced. There's sometimes two and three cameras. I mean, it's—it's yeah. it's a big deal. I mean, it's really, really well done. Um, yeah. Have you had to do like TV, like, hey, everybody, you're on TV type of training, like to remind the coaches and the athletes and the fans and so forth that everything that they say can be heard on TV for the most part, or um, or no? Do you, do you go to those links to we, say, hey, you're on TV? <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we haven't yet, although we do pass along sort of our expectations, and, and you hope that the schools do as well. You know, the, the play-by-play, especially in sports that haven't had it, is super important. And often the people that they're recruiting to do, that have the knowledge base about the sports and the teams and the institutions in the NE10, are former student-athletes. And I think not only one can that be uh, a, a career launcher or a resume builder, uh, but, it, but it also uh, provides an opportunity for, uh, you know, for, you know to, for us to provide 
that that knowledge to the viewing audience, um, but they have to be responsible and aware that they have that responsibility to the audience to, you know, to keep it uh, keep it clean and keep it responsible and and tell the story of what the viewers are seeing. And so we haven't we have long term plans to, you know, to begin to expand that programming. Uh, but often right now we're, we're reliant on the athletic communication staff in our schools to do some of that for us. And I will say they, they do a really mm-hmm. good job. You know, I, I think we also have a responsibility, your point about coaches, um, to assist them in their development. You know, we talked about what it means for us to provide opportunities for student athletes as they come in as first-year students and, and graduate, um, you know, at the end of those four years. We have the same... I find that another piece of what Division Two is is it's often giving, you know, head coaches their first head coaching job, right? And sometimes huh, these yeah. are, you know, they haven't been assistants for very long, and so I think we have a responsibility to them as well to, to, you know, provide professional development opportunities and growth opportunities, uh, leadership opportunities so that, you know, they're not struggling to lead their team at the same time they're trying to you know, grow themselves in that role as a head coach for the first time. And I think that's we're similar to Division Three in that respect. You know, Division One head coaches are coming in. They've probably been an assistant or associate head coach at other Division One programs or maybe a Division Two head coach that moves up. And I don't think it's quite the same as what we have to do here. Yeah. Do you um... – do you know all of the coaches personally? Like, are those are those people that you hired? This is going to be a really naive question, so correct me and all this stuff because I was I was thinking of the if you could, I don't know if you can do this or not, but can, the head coach of Bentley baseball. It was really a Bob moment. Yeah. Oh, I loved being there. I was actually there for is that, that for a game. Can you talk about him a little bit? That sure. Was Fifty-one years, right? Fifty-one <laughs> years he's yeah. been coaching young men and and he's you know still has that um sort of vigor and and enthusiasm at the start of every season it's pretty amazing to see uh wow. and to see that his i had the opportunity to uh be at an alumni event where you know so many of their former players came back and they they love him you know they revere him and and that's pretty cool uh you know in terms of because I imagine it's a challenge to connect to 18 year olds, you know, when you're 51 years into, you know, coaching uh, the sport of baseball. And so, but he's, um, he's really uh, down to earth. He, he loves the sport. He cares deeply about the sport and the young men that participate in it. So uh, he's been um, a remarkable supporter of, of this conference, certainly. And on the, if you ever need a history lesson, he, he will um, mm-hmm. be the one to, to give it to you. Yeah. And so, you know, I think in that respect, he, he mentors the other coaches. Um, you know, to your question about, we have about 270 head coaches in this league across our 24 sports. And so wow. um, I'd like to say that I know most of them uh, and, and, you know, uh, probably give up my, one of my secrets. If, if I just call you coach, it probably means that I, I don't, you know, but it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's great because I'm a people person and I think you connect best when you establish those kind of personal relationships and, and um, meaningful conversations and dialogue so that you're not just, 
showing up to watch a game and leaving. You know, there's yeah. I think that doesn't do anybody any good. Yeah, we're we're around a coach who it seems like he just super cares about the 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 players' lives. You know, not just yeah. not just the the sport part of it, but the actual yeah. life of the person beyond those four years by far. Yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, as a parent, what more can you ask for? Right. <laughs> like, oh, uh, and I, I definitely look at this now through the lens of, you know, uh, having seen so exposed to so many different programs on all different levels, you know, as my kids are in high school, you know, who would I want them to, play for and learn from and be guided by right it's a really big thing like it's a really um awesome responsibility that they have and i look at it and i see the approach and and how much they care about the the development of the person over those four years and uh and i look at how critical that role is and yeah and and how important it is when people make these hires that that they're hiring people for the right reasons. And that's yeah. why, you know, going back to it, that's why I love Division Two because I think these these men and women that are heading up these programs really do really do have um, the best interests, um, yeah. the, the student-athletes' best interests at heart, you know, and, and they're committed. And I think you look around, as much as we have 270 head coaches, we have a lot that have given decades of their tenure. You know, I look at uh, especially – in, you know, our team sports, um, you know, people that have probably had opportunities to move on or up and have chosen to really stay and make a, continue to make a difference. That's what uh, I love. <laughs> it's really great, you know. Cool, it's not yeah. about chasing the next job. It's it's really if you find that right fit and, and stay. you know, um, stay. <laughs> yep. I, I, <laughs> make a difference. I, there's so many ways to make a difference, Yeah. Exactly. Um, Can you talk, um, am I asking too many questions or are we all good? (laughs) I keep asking, I'm sorry, I have so many. We got you on the phone, it's exciting. Um, (laughs) Trying to contain my Um, (laughs) over-enthusiasm. Can you talk about women in sports? Like, have you seen, um, you know, you've you've got a lot of years doing, uh, you know, touching lives of, of people in sports, do you see a rise in women's sports and which ones? And, um, you know, can you, can you talk about that? Or is it all sports or I, I just, I don't know what I don't know. So, I, I think, uh, you know, I think uh, it's interesting. I, I am young enough uh, that, that for me um, opportunity was never, you know, the opportunity to play or compete. You know, I remember, um, in high school, there wasn't girls lacrosse or girls ice hockey, uh, but you know there was never a question that if you wanted to play a sport, you, you could, and there was going to be opportunities. And I would say, uh, you know, I've seen the growth of or the expansion of opportunities for for girls uh, over the last 25 years. I, I you know I certainly think when I first started at America East and our offices were in Orno, Maine, and I was thinking about this over the last couple of weeks is, um, I don't know if you remember, oh, Kathy Ingles was the women's basketball coach at UVM. And, um, you know, that first, one of her, she, the she got started in coaching at UVM 
and they went undefeated in, in a couple of seasons. And, and then, back then, there was no automatic qualification. So, you know, UVM women's basketball could go 32-0, and they had no access to the NCAA championship. And so I look wow. at it and I think back that that wasn't that long ago. And, you know, the great Joanne Palumbo Macaulay days at UMaine basketball, I mean, it was a big deal when, when just access uh, and so I use that word a lot, you know, women, uh, young girls and women having access to these opportunities is super important. And it's, it sort of translates through all the different uh, levels and divisions. And, uh, and I think our schools care a lot about that. I think they, mm-hmm. we've seen an expansion of opportunities, you know, even over the last 11 plus years that I've been here, we've, we as a conference have, you know, added women's golf, and uh, we've we've seen tremendous growth in women's lacrosse. Uh, that's probably men's and women's hmm. lacrosse because of what's happened at the high school level. You know, they're the two fastest growing team sports uh, in the high school levels. Uh, in fact, it's it you know it's it's all will be fully sponsored, and all of our institutions will have women's lacrosse beginning this year. Which when I started, I think there was only maybe eight. So. So I think you've seen colleges look at opportunities for um, women's sports at the same time they've looked at their enrollment and know that uh, in most, in an awful lot of cases, women uh, are enrolling at higher numbers than men. So not only is it adherence to federal law, but it's it's providing opportunities because it's uh, it's the right thing and there's interest because these girls are coming in playing youth sports and high school sports. Um, I will tell you I'm a proponent of, um, you know, not specializing. So I think it's important that there's opportunities at the college level, but I think it's equally important that girls have, you know, opportunities to play whatever sports they want and, and not just one. You know, it shouldn't be soccer 365. Sure. Um, but, I, but I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I look around and I, I see the growth of women leaders in positions of, um, you know, in, whether it's in athletics, we have seven female presidents at our institutions, which I think is amazing, you know, so. That is. Yeah, and so I think we've seen uh, female athletic directors, and, and I think we'll, you know, we'll see the day where there's a growth in females coaching um, men's sports. Uh, I think that we'll continue to see, um, and, and co- we need to continue to advocate for the girls and women that play the sports to, um, you know, consider coaching. I think we have a, we still have work to do in terms of uh, what that means in terms of work life, or, or yeah. you know, if, if there is ever such a thing as work life balance, right? Uh, yeah. You know, how do you, how do you, how can you have it all? Uh, because yeah. you know, we've talked about all the things that we need from coaches in terms of guidance and access, but at the same time they have lives too. So that's an important thing. I think we still we have work to do there. Yeah. Okay. So here's a boy question, um, and yeah. this is coming from mom of four boys um, yeah. viewpoint, and might have a little bit of an agenda with it. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, but um, the. So one of the things I noticed being a mom of four boys is that boys are sometimes pinpointed as trouble. Um, Mm -hmm. And especially in a team or a group or, you know, um, it it, it just is, it's just sort of maybe sometimes society and so forth, Um, lower GPA, you know, just 
trouble sometimes. And my boys notice it too. And, um, and so my like the kids I have are, are straight A, you know, basically kind of yeah. kids, they do sports, they do, you know, they're high achieving souls who are community minded and so forth. But do you find that we fight that, um, especially in, you know, team sports and things like that, or do, is that anything that really actually happens? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I see it, I, but I don't know if it happens on larger levels and how you deal with it. I, I guess I'd paint it in that it's, it's not dissimilar to sort of, painting all of college athletics with the same broad brush that you know that that you hear about the stories of of you know the highest levels of division 1 and somehow that that makes it somehow attributable to all uh to all intercollegiate athletics right so you hear about right. these stories whether it's in of excess or rule breakers or people accepting money or students have paying people to do their tests for them and somehow that somehow should be what uh, that people believe that that's that's their perception of what all of collegiate athletics is and so i sometimes think that you know that same thing uh happens to um you know uh if if there's one particular story somehow that becomes the story that that people's you know their lens is that that must be what all you know, boys or all lacrosse teams or all, you know, um, you you know, what you pick the sport, the culture. And so I think it's, it's on all of us to continue to tell the stories um, of, of, of those young men, especially because I I do think that there's um, a real role for them as ambassadors for, uh, you know, society that this is, these, this is, these are the people that are the role models, right? And this is the lens that you want to see student athletes or students and just boys through, Um, because there's a lot more of the positive stories. And sometimes we give weight and a lot of air and energy to the bad, to the negative stuff. And um, I think that is, that fails all the, 99% 99% of those that do it the, do things the right way. And so yeah. I think whether it's on campus engagement, um, we talked a little, you know, we talked earlier about community, you know, it's so important for male leaders and, and, and captains and team and teams and coaches to be visible on campus and to show um, that that's not the bro- the brush they should be painted with. It sounds probably well put. Sounds easier nope. than it is, right? But it's, <laughs> yeah. it's important. It's like leading and, by and example or recognize. being the role model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that's and I, that it's I, okay to be sort of vulnerable. You know, it's, it, that it's okay to be out there and doing the things that maybe aren't someone would say are you know traditionally male roles, whether that's fundraising or working on mental health initiatives or, you know, just even general wellness issues, you know, all those things that, that people would, would say, well, that's, you know, not for the men's lacrosse team or the baseball team or the football team to be doing. I'll be like, you know what? No, yes, it is. It's exactly what they need to be doing. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree. Um, So that leads to a couple more things um, about, don't you have like a, a student athlete committee and then also, don't you have like mental um, health wellness days? I don't know if that's specific to, to New Haven, but um, I thought I saw like a, a committee of student athletes or something, like leadership committees. We, 
Am yeah, I wrong? we do. We have a fantastic okay. group uh, called our Student Athlete Advisory Council. That is uh, two student athletes from every one of our institutions. So it's 28 of our leaders. Uh, they are equally split between um, male and female. And they really provide us with that insight and guidance from, um, and perspective. Um, you know, inclusion uh, and and uh, and diversity of thought is is about the voices around the table. And so it's really important for I think athletic department leaders and 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 intercollegiate athletics leaders to hear the perspective and the voice of the student athlete. And you see that. I think at the highest levels nationally where you know, they're engaged and they're attending meetings. And so for us, it's the same way. So we have two per school and they set their priorities for each academic year. And, um, you know, they'll be working on <coughs> mental health and wellness. It's such a critical, critical issue and one that I really see athletics leading in, in terms of the impact it can have on campus, uh, in terms of, um, you know, reducing the stigma around admitting that, you know, you don't have to be okay and that there's help and you're not alone. And so I think that uh, mental health and they're going to take on, um, you know, some some other initiatives around, uh, you know, um, inclusion. Uh, I love that. Th- yeah, you it's know, that, so, so those will be – yeah, and so those will be priorities for that group, and then we'll work with them to identify, you know, whether that's outside speakers or, you know, theme, you know, days where we support the same initiative, um, weeks where we can focus in on all of our social media efforts around uh, mental health and um so all of so so I think they play a huge role, and there's real leadership opportunities for those student athletes, and uh, and and I think they can make a real difference. So that's um, you know so so we have a conference student athlete advisory council. Every institution also has a student athlete advisory council, the composition of which will vary. Uh, sometimes it's open to anybody who wants to participate. Sometimes it's a couple of representatives from each team, but but it really provides some great structure. And then uh, additionally, the the NCA has one as well. And so you know you really get a sense that um, their voice matters, and it does. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I quote you? Because that was a that was beautiful sure. what you just said. And you said I want to make sure. sure I get the quote right. I wrote it down as you were kind of saying it. Um, you said inclusion and diversity of thought is what's needed at the table. Did I get that right? Yeah. That, that's, yeah. that's a I mean, great it's, yeah, it's, quoting you. It's, it's, awesome. Yeah. So, you know, we can only, I mean, how, how can we be successful as a society if we're not being inclusive and hearing all the voices, right? I mean, that's part of, yeah. I think, some of our troubles today is we don't stop and listen. And so, you know, for us, whether it's in our leadership group, that is the director of athletics, and we have, we always have a, um, you know, a female, the senior highest ranking female administrator from our institutions is around that table. Uh, you know, we can, we make the best decisions when we're, when we are um, open to hearing each other and we're open to hearing, um, you know, diversity of thought that may not match up to exactly what ours is, but in the end, I think we make better decisions um, because we've taken the time to listen. So, and that's the same, whether that's at our athletic directors, whether that's at our um, student athlete level, uh, you know, those are the groups that we can um, have a little bit more impact on 
you know, so, so I'm proud of that. I think that's important. It's, it's how I got to where I am because I was around the table, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and it's, and it's like how people get into, co- you know, you, any girl or boy wants to look around and say, if you see, you can be you, right. That's the saying you hear a lot mm-hmm. now. Um, and it's important in, for women that are um, thinking about coaching or you, know, you look around youth sports. I still see even in our town, you, it's still a lot of dads coaching the um, girls soccer. So, you know, I think from a young age, then they get to, they become the high schoolers that prefer um, coaches who are male or the college athletes who've only been coached by male. So it's, again, yeah. it's sort of like see and be seen and, and, and you start to say, I can be her. I think that's important. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to run out of time, but I'm wondering, um, out of respect for your time, can I, can I, I want to ask if I can keep you just a little bit. Um, sure. Because I've got two, I've got some questions coming in from people who are listening and I wanted to be sure and ask. Um, person in the, in the professional world of sports is asking about life after sports. Um, and, um, like for example, if you've, you've put all this energy, maybe since you were, you know, itty bitty into, (laughs) into a sport and then all of a sudden college is done and maybe you're not playing that sport anymore. Um, what, what's the mindset there? How do you keep people from being sad or depressed or, you know, some people might be relieved. I don't know, but, um, I could see there being a gap to maybe fill with even just like if you're part of a team and then you're not suddenly, um, how do you deal with that? It will, we do. And the the NSA's sort of taken the lead. I think we, uh, you know, we often, uh, from a resource management perspective, uh, sort of identify our priorities, but, we do strategically uh, intend to tackle sort of that after the game. What to your point, Dante does have programming <laughs> around after the game, and and it is whether it's connecting, networking. Uh, you know, we have a vision of you know whether you played baseball at New Haven or you played softball at St. Anselm College, you were an any ten student athlete. You know, how do we connect and network and create opportunities for? Um, or even softball from uh, a bunch of different schools. How do you know? And you're all alums in the same city. You're not alums of the same school. How how can we be a conduit to connect people? Because I think so much of that team environment was around connection and community. And so I think there's space there uh, that goes beyond your college affinity. And I think we need to explore that and we intend to, um, we, we also want to create programming and I'll put a plug in that, uh, one of the ways that we feel we can keep people connected to the sport is to encourage them to consider officiating. Uh, there's an incredible shortage of officials and you and I both know as parents of, uh, um, children who play youth sports that that uh, officiating is maybe not something that you'd be like I would never want to officiate and listen to the you know abuse that they take but it's incredibly critical I mean we're asked to move games we're asked to change times we're asked to not have games on certain days because there's no officials uh, and so we have to culturally fit, address why people are losing, why states are losing thousands of officials in the high school and youth ranks that are really the pool. And so we intend to kick off some very specific programming, talking to graduating seniors to consider um, 
you know, staying connected to their sport through that type of vocation. Um, it can be additional income. It can be a way to stay connected. But again, I think part of the holistic development of people is, you know, the connections they make. And if you somehow feel that you're alone, um, if if your sport made you feel um, those connections, well, then out. despite the fact your playing career is over, there's ways to stay involved. Yeah. Like, you know, it could even Coaching. be somebody who doesn't get drafted or whatever. I mean, Absolutely. I, there's yeah. just so much that goes on when, when that moment yeah. is over. I mean, I just had one graduate college. from college yeah. from a different yeah. school and we've got that going on. It's like, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Volunteer yeah, no, coach in your town. My coaching. son played, um, played, uh, uh, plays high school football and two young, uh, recently graduated college, uh, student athletes were, um, you know, participated with the program, uh, last year and, and they really looked up to those guys and it was a way to, you know, it was a way to stay connected. So I think there's so many avenues and we have to be prepared to, um, provide those resources to our institutions to make sure as they're graduating, you know, what, what those, what those can be. And so to the extent that a conference can have that, um, impact we we certainly want to uh, want to try. Yeah, I know somebody in a position of hiring who looks for student athletes because of their discipline. Yeah, yeah. I mean, looks. It's for a it. crazy. Like, if you, I, I don't remember the exact uh, percentage, but a really high percentage of C-suite women, uh, you know, were uh, our you know sp- former so college cool. student athletes. I mean, just the, the teammate mentality, the, the team approach, the discipline, the, the structure, all those things make for great leaders, no matter the field you choose. Yeah. Um, the last question is about stress um, and realizing that, oh, boy, are these folks that play sports and student athletes high-achieving mindset, high-achieving yeah. uh, physical, high-high-achieving high do um, do you have tips to manage stress? Like even in your own life, I can't even imagine how much responsibility <laughs> is piled on you. Um, I, I think I'm you, still in the you do uh, yoga too late. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, and I should. <laughs> the kid on Northeast Ten who does yoga I, for the team, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I should. Um, no, I think I. That's. Probably one aspect I I I try and do I you know I found myself this spring maybe more than any other stressed and and I was like I didn't I didn't know who I was in this you know stressful um, you know this that moment and I was like I have to do better and so I'm still sort of in that receiving end I can't imagine what it's like the the pressure points of succeeding and attending class and succeeding at you know in these and I look at uh, you know, the student athletes that we honor, you know, every year in all of our sports, and I'm like, gosh, how do they do it? Because <laughs> I can't no, take that's what I think like, them. How do you do that? Right? Mind boggling. Yeah, how do you, how do do you, yeah, how yeah. do you maintain that 3 7 and you're, you know, you went to all your labs, and oh, by the way, you were this phenomenal contributor to your team, and you mattered to them, and you were a good teammate, and you gave up yeah. your time in the community. And I think, Boy, <laughs> so That's a tall order, I, you know, I like it? to, yeah. I, so I haven't figured that out. I think it's important that we all recognize um, that the need to sort of take a step, step back and take some time. You know, whether that's 
you know, for us, uh, our downtime is in the summer, and I think we provide our staff and our schools provide their staff with the opportunity to recharge and, um, you know, get get that get your energy level up. And and no, I mean, you don't get into this profession thinking that this is a nine to five job, right? There's and in conference office life, there's no home games. Everything's on the road, and so. I think you just know that you do it because you love it and uh, you you find those things in your life that are going to provide that, that balance that, you know, if there's a, if there's a morning where you just need to say, I'm going to do this, then, then I'm always going to be supportive of that because I think it makes us, we come to the table better <laughs> in yeah, a better no, mindset. I... And so, you know, I think it's important to make sure that you find the working environment that's supportive of that. Um, but in athletics, you know, it's a competitive environment. It's highly charged. It's, you know, people are <coughs> coaching their profession for wins and losses, and they're depending on 18 to 22-year-olds to do that for them. <laughs> no. Uh, right? I teenagers. Mean, they're teenagers. Yeah, they're teenagers. <laughs> and then you're a 17-year-old. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You know. And your professional life depends on their their performance. I mean, that's I'm glad you're stressful. cool about it. And it's very, yeah. yeah. So. And and the and the kids themselves. I'm sorry if I'm calling you kids, people, but um, <laughs> I, uh, the yeah. the student athletes, sorry, um, themselves. I just wonder sometimes if they just pause and really understand how amazing they already are, no matter what happens. I just I sometimes wonder that I, because I see a lot of beating up on themselves sometimes like, Oh, I missed that field goal yeah. or, Oh, I missed, you know, whatever. Right. And it's like, no, you're already amazing. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. And, and we on need, so and that's why, you know, from, from a social media perspective, you know, there's, it, it never fails to amaze me the number of people that get on, you know, get on student athletes that, you know, for, for a missed base hit or a, you know, fail yeah. to advance the runner, or, you know, missed, you know, uh, you know, whatever, direct kick, you know, it's, it's crazy. And, and so social media is at one, on the one side, you know, uh, on one of our best tools and at the, and at the other end, it can be the absolute worst thing we have available to people. And so I think, um, I do think for the most part, you know, our student athletes have grown mm-hmm. up in such a sort of noisy environment of they've always known social media. They've always had a phone connected to their hand. They manage it, I think, better than we do. <laughs> yeah. And and so I, I do think that they multitask uh, better. I don't always would like to admit this to my kids, but I think they are capable of multitasking <laughs> in ways that we can't because yeah. that just wasn't how we were programmed yep. at a young age. Um, kids, you didn't hear that. But, <laughs> I agree. Right? Yeah. No, so I completely it's, it's agree. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm going to need therapy when the last one goes to college here. The youngest right? is heading to college, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Do yeah, you have a therapy session for that, Julie? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of anyway. trips I sense, right? <laughs> oh, it sure is. Yeah. RIT. Um, it's, it's a little far away from Maine, but it'll be okay. He's, yeah. he's got it. He's got it going on. Yeah. Um, I love Maine. Thank you. Oh, I do too. I've, I lived we've, in Orno we've, for four years. I don't know if you, the, the, our office was there for that. four years. I, yeah. When you said that, I was like, oh, oh you know yeah. Maine. I'm not from here. Yeah. We're from California and Iowa and Minnesota and New Jersey and all sorts yeah. of different places we've lived, but we lived here for right. 15 years. I just love it. Um, yeah. Julie, thank you. I know I kept you, but uh, I have no, so, awesome. 
I hope you all enjoyed listening to Julie and all of her wisdom and, and great sense of humor. And uh, you do have a great sense of humor, by the way. And um, Thank you. I, what I, yes, what I want to do is um, direct people to the North, to Northeast 10, like one zero dot org. And there's more information there. And then um, I, I really like that website because it's got all of the different information about all of the different sports and all of the different schools all in one spot. Pretty neat. Yeah. Go to yeah. your go-to and, source. And, yeah, exactly. And all the, um, I also like the fact that you really recognize the um, academic achievers and things like that. So it's not just sports, it's everything on there. And it's pretty great, yeah. pretty great website, really easy to navigate. So if y'all are looking for a website to look at today while it's raining, northeast10.org. And um, Julie, is there anything that we didn't cover? in the hour and a half no, that I've kept I, you. No, <laughs> I've, I have really appreciated this opportunity. It's it's felt like we're old friends and, and uh this is this is great and uh hopefully we can connect in Do real more. real real life as well. Oh yeah, it'd be a blast. Um Julie, yeah. thank you. Everybody thank of you course. so much for listening. I know I've kept you today, but I appreciate it. And as we always say on Best Ever You, I hate closing shows. I'm sorry, but I do. Um, but what I love is all of you guys, because as you know, best ever you it's website, it's the book percolate, the, um, radio show here, it's all grassroots. There's no marketing money behind us at all. So all of those millions of downloads that we have on this radio show, that's all you guys. And that's all you embracing our guests when they're here. And, um, as you know, we love our guests cause they're unique, they're wise, they're bold, they're brave, they're amazing. And, um, they pave the way for us to do more and more cool things in our own lives and give us the wisdom um, that we, you know, sometimes we have a guest on and they fill in a little gap that we, you know, we're like, Oh, I'm glad I heard that. Like today I heard um, inclusion and diversity of thought are what's needed at the table because I've been really thinking about leadership lately. So Julie, I'm going to quote you <laughs> if that's okay. Sure. Um, of course. Yeah. And thank you. All right, Julie, thank you so much. And everybody thank have you. a great night. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.